Welcome to the Peavine Podcast, where each week we bring you the message from our Sunday morning worship service with Pastor Joel Sutherland, and we take timeless biblical truth and help you to apply it in the context of your daily life. You can always join us live each Sunday morning at 8.30, 9.45, or 11 a.m. at our Rock Spring, Georgia campus, or at 11 a.m. at our Rossville, Georgia campus, which is just outside of Chattanooga, Tennessee. Well, thank you to our worship team. Fantastic job of leading us in worship, and I hope wherever you may be, you're able to enjoy that worship, even engage in that worship, whether you're at home or wherever you may be watching online. Hey, if you have your Bibles, uh, either a physical copy or digital, turn to 1 John chapter 5, and I'm going to have it on the screen just in a moment if you want to do that. And of course, if you're logged in and signed up, signed up and logged in, you can pull it up right there on the side of your screen. As, we, uh, as you watch this uh, uh, broadcast as well, 1 John 5, it's almost at the end of the Bible. It's not the Gospel of John, it's the book of 1 John. It's almost at the very end of your Bible, so I'll give you a moment to find it. Hey, let me tell you something exciting that is happening, that um, this coming Monday at 10 o'clock in the morning, uh, the governor is holding a Georgia State Day of Prayer. It's a call to prayer for us to ask God's favor and blessing on our state and really on our nation uh, during this time at 10, 10 o'clock in the morning. And so uh, the governor, lieutenant governor, and um, our state senator, Jeff Mullis, invited me to be part of that prayer in the morning. We have about 15 clergy from around the state who are going to be there and pray in the morning. And so I'll be there early in the morning at, at 10 o'clock to pray. And I encourage you to tune in. I know you can stream it from the governor's Facebook page. And so if you just search Governor Kemp, on Facebook, you'll find it there, and it'll probably be streamed other places as well. And so we'd love to have you be part of that at 10 o'clock in the morning as we pray for the healing of our nation. First John chapter 5, I started a sermon series a few weeks ago during all of this called Connect, Avoiding Separation During Isolation. We've been quarantined, we've been social distancing, and to some degree, we've been spending more time with people than ever, but it doesn't mean we're close. And also, we, we tend to get isolated during these times, even from the Lord. And so I'm talking about how to connect, and I've been preaching. This will be my fourth sermon on how to connect with God during this time. And we're, we'll look at how to connect with others as well. But we've looked at connecting with God. I've talked about knowing God and, and being in His Word. And, and last week, we talked about prayer as a conversation starter. And so today, I want to preach this subject as we talk about connect, I want to talk about follow directions. Follow directions. You know, some people have a natural inclination to do what they're told. A little bit like this guy I'm going to tell you about. He is an Army supply clerk specialist, Jeff Lewis. He was 23 years old on February 22nd, 2000. It's been 20 years ago. Jeff was a reservist uh, who enlisted for active duty and was signed to station at Fort Bragg in December of 1999. But records showed that Jeff was already qualified to jump out of a plane, like these guys are doing on screen. He had a freshly sewn pair of airborne wings on his uniform after all. Now, now what you may not know is in order to get jump qualified... Uh, all 15,000 soldiers of the 82nd Airborne must undergo three weeks of intense parachute training at the Airborne School at Fort Benning. 
Jeff Lewis had done none of that. There was a clerical error that put him in airborne with wings and he had no training at all. So what did Jeff do? He climbed into the plane and he jumped out of the plane. Jeff landed unhurt and he said, I was doing what a good soldier is supposed to do, following orders. Here's his quote. I love this quote. He said, the army said I was airborne qualified. I wasn't going to question it. He got in a plane and jumped out. No training whatsoever. Major James Marshall, who spoke for the division, said, officials would try to make sure that such a mix-up did not happen again. You think when the cook got his orders, he decided not to jump. I don't know. I mean, I, I love, man, that is a dude that knows how to follow directions. I love that guy that he said, well, the army said I was qualified. I must be qualified. I love a guy that can follow directions like that. And can I tell you this? It's a little bit of the attitude we need with God as well. Because I've been talking about connecting with God. And when we, when we get saved and know Christ as our Savior, when we start reading our Bibles, when we, when we start praying, we're going to learn some things that will put us at a crossroads in life. What do you mean? Well, we're going to learn some things in the Word of God that need to be adjusted in our lives. Like when I read the Bible, there are going to be things that pop up in the Word of God that need to be adjusted in my life. Like, like my life is not going to align with everything that's written in these 66 books in the Bible. And so I'm going to read some of those things, and all of a sudden my life is going to need adjusted. Listen, when I start praying, I'm going to hear some things from the Lord that, that need to be heeded in my life. I'm going to hear some things from God that need to be changed. So I'm saved, spending time in the Word, and now I'm spending time in prayer, and all of a sudden I'm at a crossroads. Now, now what, what am I going to do now? I mean, I'm living one way and the word says do something else. I'm living one way and God's told me to do something else. And here's the part where a lot of people lose their connection with the Lord. They want to follow God and be connected to him. They just don't want to do everything he asks them to do. We want to follow God. We want to be in his word. We want to pray, but... But we don't want to do what everything God says do, and that's a problem because you cannot have a connection with God and not follow his directions. I mean, Jesus even said that. Jesus said that in John 15, 14. You are my friends if you do what I command you. You are my friends if you do what I command you. I mean, you want to be a friend of God and be connected to him. You have to follow directions. You have to follow the commands of God. You have to follow directions. Why? Because God's directions will steer me away from trouble. Because God's directions will steer me into success. Because God's directions bring life, not death. And they're the only way to keep connected with him. It's just not possible to be in a great relationship with God and not follow his directions. And 1 John chapter 5 makes that very, very plain. So let's read that together. 1 John chapter 5, just the first few verses. 
Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has been born of God. And everyone who loves the Father also loves the one born of him. This is how we know that we love God's children, when we love God and obey his commands. For this is what love for God is, to keep his commands. And his commands are not a burden because everyone who has been born of God conquers the world. And this is the victory that has conquered the world, our faith. Now the noun and the verb love are used some 46 times in the little book of 1 John. Two-thirds of all those occurrences start at chapter 4, verse 7, and go down to chapter 5, verse 4. In those few verses, the majority of the word love are used in those few verses. And in those, God talks about his relationship with believers. He talks about our relationship with him. And then he talks about our relationship with one another. And so in these four verses we read, God tells us how to not only be connected to him, but how to stay connected with him. So let me show you what he says. Number one, here's what he tells us in verse one, that you have to know that you know him. That you have to know that you know him. Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has been born of God. Like the beginning, the first thing John deals with is knowing, going back to the beginning, that sermon four weeks ago of knowing him, it's almost at this point like a spiritual checkup thing. Now here's what's about to happen. John is going to tell us some things that are and should be true of every believer. John is about to tell us some things that should be true. If you know Christ as Savior, they're true in your life, they ought to be true in my life. And if you go through them and find out they are not true in your life, it could be, listen, it could be, hang on that you really don't know God. I mean, hang with me for the next few minutes because if, it's, if you find out these things are not true in your life, there could be a problem. I mean, the question is, do you really believe in Jesus? I, I, know, I know if you're watching this, chances are you really believe he exists, but that's not what the Bible ever, the Bible assumes a belief in the, in the existence of God. It's really never debated in the Bible anywhere. That's not what the Bible means when it says believe. Believe means have you placed your trust in him? When the Bible speaks about faith and trust and believe, it's never a, an intellectual assent to Jesus. When the Bible speaks about faith and trust and believe, It is always a commitment of the heart and the will to the person and the story of Jesus Christ. It is me placing my faith in him for my personal soul and destiny. It's me placing my trust in him for my personal soul and destiny. It's me placing my belief in him for my personal soul and destiny. I'm going to tell you, if you want to connect with God, you have got to know that you know them. And listen. If you find the Christian life impossibly difficult, there could be a reason for that. If you find the Christian life impossibly difficult, there could be a reason for that. See, if you're discovering that loving God is totally impossible for you, there may be a reason for that. You may not know him. If you're discovering reading your Bible and praying is impossible for you to do, you try and it just doesn't work, there could be a reason for it, you may not know him. If you find it 
nearly impossible to be faithful to church, to, to give to your church, to tithe to your church. If you find it nearly impossible to invite other people to be part of this experience, if, if you find it nearly impossible to stay away from sin, that, that's just a, a few things. But if you find those things nearly impossible, it could be, there could be a reason. The reason may be you may not know him. Because if you love something, it tends to come easy for you. I love baseball, the Atlanta Braves. Believe it or not, I'm still listening to Atlanta Braves podcasts right now. We're, they're talking about junk, but I'm trying to get a fix some way or somehow. I, I, I love the Braves. If you don't have to beg me to go to a Braves game. You, you don't have to beg me to watch a baseball game on television. All I got to know is because I love baseball. You don't have to beg me to be part of that. I, I enjoy every bit of it. Hey, I, I love George Bulldogs. Go dogs, right? He, on Saturdays, during college football season, you don't have to say to me, you don't even have to ask me, are you going to watch the Bulldogs today? My wife says every fall, we're not going to build our lives around Georgia football. And I always say, well, I am, so what are you going to do? You know, I mean, like, yeah, I'm, 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 I'm there. Hey, I even like the Atlanta Falcons. I go home from church on Sunday. I, I'll record the game if I have to, and, and, and we'll watch the Atlanta Falcons. Like, you don't have to beg me to do that. I'm a sports fan. I love, I love sports. Hey, I, some of you don't get the sports references. I'll get out of the sports. I love blackjack cherry ice cream. Remember that? Some of y'all taking it all out of Publix from me. Shame on you. My wife doesn't have to get down on her hands and knees and say, Joel, I'm just begging you, begging you. Would you please eat a bowl of blackjack cherry ice cream? No. Sometimes she's looking at me going, are you sure you need? Yes, I'm sure I need another half gallon of ice cream. I'm positive I do. You don't have to beg me to do those things. Why? Because I love those things. And I'm telling you this morning, if you're finding the Christian life hard, there, there may be a reason. Listen, listen, I'm not saying it's easy. But it's not impossible. It's checkup time. Do you know that you know him? You say, a preacher, it's easy for you to say. You're, you're a preacher. No, no. No, I don't have anything you don't have in the Christian life. As a matter of fact, here's what uh, John said we had in the chapter before. He said, you are from God, little children. And you have conquered them because the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. The one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. If you are saved, you have a greater power in here than is out there. You should be winning the battle in the Christian life. Doesn't mean the battle's easy, but it does mean it is winnable for the Christian. So do you know him? Do you know that you know him. This is not a question you can walk around at life hoping you have the answer right. This is the big question of life. Where are you going to spend eternity? What is going to happen to you when you die? Are you a child of God? You say, I thought we're all God's children. No, we're all God's creation. It's only those who know Jesus as Savior that are the children of God. 
If you hear nothing else in the sermon, hear this. You have to be sure, sure that you know him. And so John gives us this spiritual checkup. And the first thing he says before we talk about obeying God is, do you know that you know him? And that's the question you have to answer right now. Do you know that you know him? There's some of you watching, maybe the first time you've watched, and you know what, you kind of maybe went to church when you were young, and maybe you walked down an aisle and joined a church, but you don't know that you know him. There's some of you here, and you never can win the battle over sin and wrong, and you can never seemingly get things right in the Christian life. And I want to be honest, it, the battle is not easy, but it's always winnable because the power that's in me is greater than the power that's coming against me. And so what that tells me is if I never win, it may be that you don't know Christ is your Savior. And hang on, I'm going to show you how in just, just a moment. Number one, you have to know that you know him. Number two, John said this. You have to show that you know him. He said, this is how we know that we love God's children when we love God and obey his commands. There is saying I love you and there's showing I love you. You know, if you're married, you ought to do both. It's great to say I love you, but it's better to show I love you and it's even better to do both of those. And John says in this next couple of verses, he says there are some parts of the Christian life that will shine if you know Jesus. Like if you know him, these evidences will show in your life. And he gave us three things, and I'm done. I've only got two points and a couple of subpoints. points. Here are three things that, that let you know that ought to show in your life. Number one, if you know God, here's what's going to happen. You're going to love the littles. What, what do I mean by the littles? And here, here's what the Bible says. And everyone who loves the Father loves his children too. Everyone who loves the Father loves his children too. Now, here's the first thing you'll show. If you love God, you'll love his children too. Uh, truth be known, you cannot have one without the other. One of the evidences of knowing God is being in love with his children. That would be other Christians. That would be other people who are in the church. G Jesus reinforced this is where John's getting all this, John 13, 35. By this... Everyone will know that you are my disciples, not if you know a lot of Bible, not if you pray a lot, not if you go to church all the time, if you love one another. The true evidence of knowing God is loving his children. If you're going to follow his directions, follow his instructions, you have to love the brethren. That is the people who claim the name of Christ. That is when we're in church. The people you sit next to in church. God is offended when we claim to love him, him, but we don't love one another. You can't love me and tell me you don't like my kids. Ain't going to work. Hey, I don't, I, some of you may not know this, and I'm not going to put a picture up, but I have a grandson. And I have one on the way. And, uh, oh, how did that get up there? I, I, I didn't touch the screen. You saw, I did not touch. It just miraculously appeared divinely from heaven. Um, uh, imagine you're out with me and I've got my grandson Jax with me and I look at you and I say, he's adorable, isn't he? And your reply is, eh, he's not my favorite little annoying if you ask me. 
what kind of friends do you think we're going to be? I'm just going to be honest with you, not good ones in case you don't know. Now that's, that's my grandson. Imagine doing that to his mama. Isn't Jack so cute? And you say, eh, he's okay. I've seen ones a lot better. That doesn't end well with any mama you're talking to. You know why? If you want to be in relationship with the mama, you're going to have to be in relationship with the kids. And 1 John 4.20 says this, If anyone says, I love God, and yet hates his brother or sister, he is a liar. For the person who does not love his brother or sister whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. See, evidence of knowing God and being connected with him is to follow his direction to love his children. Now listen, can we just be honest? Rubber meets the road in a nearly empty building. You're at home. I'm just going to speak the truth. I know a lot of God's children are difficult to love. Wait, stop. Just say amen right where you are in your house right now. Say it. They are. They're hard to love. Can I tell you this? Some of God's children are crazy. Just absolutely crazy. Some of God's children are weird. They're strange people. And if you don't know a strange Christian, it's probably you. Hey, some of God's children are not so nice. They should be. A Christian never has the right to be unkind no matter what. They should be. But they're all not so nice. But even if they're difficult to love and even if they're crazy and even if they're weird and even if they're not so nice, they are all still his children. And evidences of, an evidence of loving God is you love his children. When was the last time you did something for someone in the family? I'm not talking about your immediate family who may be sitting around you right now. I'm talking about in the family of God. When's the last time you encouraged them? When was the last time you did an act of kindness? When was the last time you showed them love? When was the last time you helped them? That is an evidence of being saved. You'll love the littles. Number two, an evidence of being saved is you'll keep the commands. For what? For this is what love for God is, to keep his commands, and his commands are not a burden. I love that. You want to love and connect with God, you have to keep his commands. And John throws in this caveat, his commands are not a burden. That word there in the Greek means heavy, oppressive, or even irksome. If you want to connect with God, you have to follow his directions. But here's what John says, they aren't that hard. Why are they not that hard? Because he has done all the work and laid out the plan, and all we have to do is obey. My wife is a realtor, and every now and then she'll have to go show houses, you know, at dinner time at evening, because that's when other people have to go look. And here's what she'll do when she shows houses. She will, she will cook dinner. She will get it all prepared. She'll have it all laid out. She'll even turn on the oven, and she'll say, Joel, at, at 6 o'clock, all you've got to do is put this in the oven, set a 30-minute timer, and then pull it out, and then uh, dinner will be ready to go. So, I, I mean, I can do that. I'm not great in the kitchen, but I can do that. Oven's on. Dinner's cooked. I just put it in the oven, set a 30-minute timer, pull it out. We'll be sitting around the dinner table. Never fails. My, one of my kids will say, man, Dad, thanks for cooking dinner. I, I'm, I mean, I'm always honest and, and humble, and I always say, you're, you're welcome. I, I don't want you to think 
No, I don't do that. I, I say, you know what? Hey, I, I didn't really cook dinner. Uh, Mom did all the work. All I had to do was put it in the oven. The Christian life is a little bit like that. Jesus has done all the work. He died. He rose again. He sent us the Holy Spirit. Now he serves as our intercessor. All I have to do is put it in the oven. Following the directions are not hard when Christ has empowered us for the work. You show you know Christ when you keep his commands. And so I want to ask you, how's it going? Hey, listen to this. Great question. If you were judged by your words and your works, do you look like a Christian? If you were judged by your words and your works, would you look like a Christian? Can I tell you two things? Number one, you are being judged by your words and your works by God. The Bible says there's coming a judgment day, and every deed done in this body will be exposed on that judgment day, whether good or whether bad. Now, it's not in order to be saved. It's those of us who are saved. Everything you've done in this body will be judged before a holy God, whether it was good or whether it was bad. You are being judged by God one day. Know that, but do you know this? You're being judged every day by the world around you. Every day. Every day, there are people around you saying, man, I, I can't believe he claims to be a Christian and he acts that way. I can't believe she claims to be a Christian and she talks that way. If you want to show the world you love God, you'll keep his commands. And then number three, you show you know him and you'll win the war. Here's what he said in verse four. Everyone who has been born of God conquers the world. This is the victory that has conquered the world, our faith. You want to show your following directions connected to God? Then here's what you have to do, win the war. And I know some of you are thinking, wait, what war? What war? You know, you're in a war every day of your life. Every day of my life, we're in a war. We're in a war against our enemy, the devil. We're in a war against our own flesh. We're in a war against our culture. We are in a war. And here's what God said. You can win the battle. You not only can, you should be winning the battle. You should be winning the war. Your flesh is strong, but you can win. The enemy is strong, but you can win. The culture is strong, but you can win. And that old devil will scoot up next to you, and he will tell you that winning is impossible. But he's wrong. He's just playing games with your mind. Because I'm going to tell you, we have victory. Our faith in Jesus has given us a victory that can conquer the world. And you'll love his children. You'll keep his commands. You'll win the war. If you know him. I'll close with this story. We, we learn a lot about Satan's strategies in spiritual warfare by studying military strategies. Some of the warriors of old. In, in his book, Head Game, author Tim Downs says this. They, they call it PSYOPs today. It stands for Psychological Operations. It's a form of, of warfare as old as the art of war itself. And an early example can be found in the battle strategies of Alexander the Great, one of the greatest um, strategic minds in battle the world's ever known. On one occasion... When his army was in full retreat from a larger army, his small army had ran up against an enormous army, and they were severely outnumbered. And so Alexander the Great was retreating, and he knew he was going to have to retreat. So you know what he did? He gave 
orders for his armorers, those who constructed armor, to construct oversized breastplates and helmets that would fit men eight feet tall. And when his army would retreat, he would leave that oversized armor laying on the battlefield. And when the enemy would rush in, they would find that enormous gear. And they'd imagine, I, 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 I don't want to chase a guy with, who's eight feet tall. Put that helmet over their head and it was, they may have been six feet tall, but the helmet was huge. And they're thinking, I don't want to fight this guy. And they would abandon their pursuit of Alexander's army because they didn't want to fight giants. It was all fake. It was just psychological warfare. And that's what the enemy does to you. That's what he does to me. He fights our minds and says, you cannot win. But you can. You just have to know that you know him. And then if you know him, you'll show that you know him. You'll love the littles. You'll keep his commands. You'll win the war. And you'll stay connected with a holy God. Because you can't connect with him unless you keep his commands. And there's commands are. Love the brethren. Keep his commands. Win the war. How are you doing at that? Could be. It could be. The reason you're not doing so well at that is you do not know Jesus as your Savior. So in the next moment, look up here. You say, well, how can I know that I'm saved? Here it is. A, you've got to admit that you've sinned and you cannot save yourself. Like the whole part of this. The Bible said all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. You know what that means? That means you're not good enough to earn your way to heaven. I'm not good enough to earn my way to heaven. I can't be good enough, do good enough, give enough to get to heaven. We just have to admit, hey, me getting to heaven and being saved and knowing God is not about me. Then what's it about? B, you've got to believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross for your sins and rose again the third day. We call that the gospel story. And you have to believe it. We don't debate it. We just believe it. It's in the Bible. The, there's plenty of historical evidence. But nevertheless, you have to believe that. And then see, admitting you can't save yourself, believing Christ died on the cross for your sins and rose again. See, it leaves you with that. You have to confess him as Lord and Savior of your life. The Bible says, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. So, hey, if you're, if you're here and you're already a believer, I want you to hang with me for just a moment. I'm going to pray a couple of times here, but just hang with me for a moment because I'm going to show you where you can find a video that will tell you the one reason you're getting stuck in the Christian life. So hang on. But for those of you who don't know Jesus as your Savior, we, we can take care of that right now. I'm going to invite you wherever we are, no matter who you are, whether you're a Christian or whether you're not, would you bow your heads right now wherever you are? Just ask your family to bow their heads. And if you're listening and you're not sure you don't know that you know jesus now's a good time to take care of that you can pray a prayer with me i'll help you pray i can't pray for you but i can help you pray in the intent of your hearts to trust christ as your savior pray pray something like this say dear lord jesus i know that i've sinned and that i can't save myself but i believe that christ died on the cross for my sin that he rose again the third day and just now I invite Christ into my life
to forgive me of my sin. Give me a home in heaven. And I trust Jesus and Jesus alone to save me. Hey, look this way. If you prayed that prayer or something with it, here's what I want you to do. Take your phone and text I did to the number 97,000. I did. No spaces. I did. ID, ID to the number 97,000. So instead of a phone number, just type in 97,000 in a new text message. Text the word ID. And here's what we're going to give you. We've got some material that will tell you the next steps in the Christian life. We're going to send that to you. And uh, that'll help you know what to do next because there's some things you need to do next. Even if you've been in church and you've been kind of pretending all this time, you still need this information. And so we're going to send it out to you. Just text I did to 97,000. And again, we've had people doing that all uh, every time. Every Sunday we've met, we've had multiple people. So join, join that group of people who are making sure their heart is right with God and they know him as Savior. Now let me talk to Christians. You ever feel like that you're trying to connect with God and every now and then you just hit a wall? I'm going to tell you why most of us hit a wall. There's a two-minute video at pvine.org slash directions. pvine.org slash directions. It's a two-minute video. And I want you to go there and watch that video because that's going to tell you why you're getting stuck. There's one reason why almost all Christians get stuck, and the video is only going to be up for a few days. So uh, pvine.org slash directions. You're going to find a one-minute video, and I'd encourage you to stop right now as soon as this service is over and just stay there as a family, pull that video up, watch the final two minutes, and uh, you'll be glad you did. Hey, thank you for tuning in today. Thank you for being part of our online service. I want to close this out in prayer. So would you pray with me, heads bowed, eyes closed. Father, thank you for another Sunday where we can meet, where we can worship you, we can connect with you, through your word, through your message, through your music. Thank you, Lord. God, heal our nation physically. Oh, Lord, we desperately need it. Heal our world. Heal us spiritually. Heal us. And bring us closer to you. We love you, Lord Jesus. And it's in your name we pray. We hope that you've enjoyed the message this week as we help equip you to apply God's word to your daily life. For the latest updates about what's happening around Peavine City, be sure to like us on Facebook and follow us on Instagram and Twitter. For more information about Peavine or to get in touch with us, please visit our website, peavine.org. Thanks for listening.